What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Sazits. Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group. I'm Curtis Quinn, your host, down in a Category 1 Hurricane Sally right now. We still got internet, still got power. It's it's going good for us. It's just off to the west. Might be moving east as we speak. Hopefully not. I'm here with my co-host, Drew Luster, as always, up in Gloucester, Mass. I imagine the weather's a little nicer up there today. Yeah, first off, I don't want to call out Sally or Jonah, but what a just absolutely weak name for a hurricane sally they can't do better than that it's a little bit chillier up here there's a nice fall crisp in the air had myself a shipyard pumpkin earlier that it turns quick as you know Kurt. it turns very quick you could be at the beach last week and it's it, you know you're waking up this morning it's 40 degrees so it turns like a light switch and uh it looks like falls here football's back so couldn't be happier I'm, I'm looking forward i hope i get a couple more warm days in late september which can usually happen but let's start off first before we get into hate of the week with yep. your national holiday. Or yeah, there's a few yeah. interesting ones. I don't know if you saw. Um, Wednesday, September 16th, folks. You know, we're going to start from the top with National Guacamole Day. Uh, in the category of food and beverage, might I add. I am not the biggest fan of guac. I like, I dabble with Mexican, as I'm sure you do as well, Kurt. But yep. If there wasn't a day or night to go get some Mexican, enjoy some guac and chips, it would be tomorrow. And and to follow up with that, National School Backpack Awareness Day is also tomorrow. And that's in the category of health, which makes me think, does it have something to do with, you know, raising awareness for people who aren't wearing their backpacks correctly? And is that causing some sort of issue with the spinal cord and neck and posture i don't know if that's what i'm if that's what this is but i thought i'd get your input yeah that one should be crossed off the calendar for good that's the that's the worst holiday i could ever think of i don't even know what they're talking about if i don't know what you're talking about in your holiday probably shouldn't be a holiday i guess no it just it's a mouthful and i don't really understand what the what they're trying to shed light upon so um, but I figured I would bring it up anyways. Yeah. Well, let's dive right in. Hate of the week time. We'll start off with the with, with us first this week. We'll start okay. off with us. What do okay. you got? What's your best? So I have two this week. Uh, one is football related. One is not. My first one is NFL defensive backs who celebrate after an incomplete pass where the receiver they were covering was wide open and just dropped the ball or, you know, stepped out of bounds or something like that. I expect it happens every single game in the NFL where someone, you know, almost makes a great play or it's a horrible throw. And then they come out and they're, you know, pumping up their hands, going like this, get in the receiver's face. And it's like, dude, have any sense of self-awareness and just stop celebrating. You just got burnt. I just, some of these guys are too damn cocky and it frustrates the hell out of me. Just know your role. It's you see it every single game at, at every level, and I it drives me insane. Yeah, that's gonna stick with a lot of our theme today. We're gonna be talking a lot of football, so 
Get ready, folks. What's your honorable, honorable mention for you? My honorable mention is one that I think a lot of people will be able to relate to and kind of relates to what's on my head right now as well. It's when a snapback adjustable hat is too small. So you go up a button and then it's too big. Like there's a perfect, you know, you know, as a, as a 24, 25, however, however old you are, everybody yeah. out there at this point in your life, you know, if a, if a hat fits good, you're not going to force it. And sometimes you just get that hat that has the snapback adjustable where you go one button and it's too small. You go the next and it's too big and you just can't find the right fit. And it's just miserable. And I don't know if it's because I look like friggin' Hey Arnold on the other way, like my head's friggin' like this, but it sometimes I just cannot find the right fit and it drives me effing nuts. Yeah, the ways you could fix that would be a, a Velcro hat. You'd have to go with the Velcro. Yeah. It's it's typically just snapbacks. Obviously, like the what am I seeing? Like stretch fit or like the adjustable strap back. Yeah. Any of those you're cool with, but some I I kind of dabble with a few snapbacks and it's like ugh, sucks snapbacks the hot trend so that's why you gotta probably roll with that also yep. either a haircut or or letting it grow out so that's another way you could kind of get that in between button true true we know where we stand with that though we can take this offline with our uh, our hair struggles we don't need to publicly raise awareness to those just yet i i've been i've been growing it out a little i've been feeling good bravo now, I'll tell you mine. It's a little strange this week, this one, but have you ever, <laughs> oh, have you ever gotten the, the double nail, so the nail under the nail? Huh? The double nail. So there's a nail, there's a little nail under your nail, and you, got, like, you just can't get it out. It's just... Like on your finger or toe? Yeah, on your finger. It's underneath oh. your nail. It's like another portion of nail. Oh, yeah. It's like it's a softer type of nail. It's not like crispy like the top, but there's some sort of other layer of something there. Which underneath I know it, and it's bugging yeah. you. And say you're not at home or you don't have nail clippers available to get it out. Yeah. And you can't get in there with your other fingernail. And oh, no. I just bite it. You, I am the biggest. Oh. I bite my nails like there's no tomorrow, especially during a pandemic. Horrible idea. Hmm. And I do it constantly. So I don't really have that issue, to be honest. I can tell you in my life, I've never bit my nails. That's my not life. true. Simply not true. It's, I, but but I we, can move, not. we can move on. <laughs> I, 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 I refuse to believe that that, that that is a true statement that you just alleged. I, not once. You've never, ever in your, in your lifetime bitten your nail. On ever. my life. Right hand under oath never bitten my nails in my lifetime i don't i don't know how like i don't understand it to be honest i it's crazy i I do it it down i do it so much it's so bad well you should stop that (laughs) yeah no i i uh yeah i would agree with that suggestion hey it's just like any addiction (laughs) you know sometimes it's bad for you and you just keep doing it unfortunately okay so Maybe we can organize an intervention when you're home and you can get all my closest family in, my, in the room and we can get we'll, me we'll like some like sort of therapist. tape your hands down at your side yeah, or okay. something. There's that spray that you can spray on your fingers and it makes them taste like shit. <laughs> I might have to get that. <laughs> I've like, never like, heard of that. That's oh, no, wrong. that's a real thing. Like It's a real thing. You dip your fingers in it in the morning and you won't want to bite them all day because they just smell and taste disgusting. Ugh. That yeah. would freak me out just when I like go to, you know, do a little wipe on my nose throw or up. something. I'm going to throw up. 
and you get that horrible smell. Can you imagine? Oh, oh. my god. But like you're calling somebody <laughs> and your pinky just reeks like shit. Yeah. Oh my god, it's disgusting. No thanks. My honorable mention, I think I'm gonna go with Oh. I'm gonna go with glasses that I dislocate. So I can't find them. I put them somewhere. So just I, lost glasses. Yeah, I never know okay. where they are. I, I always, sometimes I leave them in the car because sometimes I take them off while I'm driving. <laughs> Is yeah. that a great idea? No, but sometimes no. I just want to take my glasses off. And I'm legal to drive. I'm, I'm legal to drive well, by good. the law. It's close, but I am legal. Jesus Christ. So... That'll be on my honorable mention. Let's get into the slate of fan submissions that we got this week. A lot of good ones. We had to filter Let's. a couple of down because I bet you we got north of a dozen this week. We did. Uh, I can kind of start us off. There's a few solid ones this week. The first one I'm going to go with is from Evan Dombrowski. He says, different rooms in your house having different temps. And I know you said you probably won't, you probably don't relate to this. Maybe it's just, you know, recency bias with the studio or whatnot, but my kitchen compared to like in the heat of summer, the living room and like, you know, the bathroom side of the house, those two, the opposite sides of the house are freezing because the AC and there's so many windows in the kitchen dining area, as you know, yep. that it's just like a hundred degrees and the ACs just can't get into each other. So it's like you go cold, hot, cold, and then you come downstairs and it's friggin' a trillion degrees like satan's bedroom because there's no ac down here so i can totally relate to that one for sure i get the idea of floors being different temperatures because you know basement obviously freezing like yeah. your house in the winter i think of that basement is oh my god the arctic yeah and like then... that where bell where bell sleeps that that wood floor is i you'd be hard pressed to find a colder room in the town of gloucester in the winter yeah, and then as you get up to the attic in the summer, it's going to be scorching hot. So I can yeah. see the floor differential, but room to room, I just don't feel like I I get that. Okay, unless which is fine. You're, unless you're supplementing a room with an AC or something, that's obvious. Yeah. We'll toss it off between us here. We'll go back and forth. Perfect, perfect. Pat Goss had a good one this week. Our good friend and recent winner of a another remix context he's on an absolute tear i think this is the third one he's won unbelievable so shout out to pat on that one but he said his hate of the week when you pull out the whole piece of bacon from a sandwich because you couldn't bite it off and i like to think of this with a lot of foods i think the one that most happens to me on would probably be the same food bacon on a burger but then i think of like chicken sandwiches sometimes where you get to the end and it, like all the chicken slides out with the last bite and you're just left yep. with like a couple of floppy pieces of buns and you're like, well, I, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't need this. I so, usually do. And that's why I feel like I weigh one ton. I'll just eat the bread and cheese. Yeah. Of control. But that's a, that's a very relatable one. I like that one from Pat. I guarantee it happens to everybody. No and doubt. If, and if it's not, if it hasn't happened to you, you haven't lived yet. Drew, we'll pass it back to you. Uh, this is a pretty juicy one here. Um, so Billy submitted twice for some reason. Getting something in your eye, there's absolutely nothing worse. And I don't know if he's trying to, you know, passively remind me of this horrid story. 
Kurt, you, you, you were probably there, although I'm not certain if you were. This was, I want to say fall, winter. We were having a fire outside in the back here on the patio. Okay. The two mics. And uh, we got some ice cream at like, you know, Stop and Shop or something. Just a little mini things of like Ben and Jerry's or whatever. Yep. And we came back to the house and I go upstairs. He goes, oh, can I, can you grab me a spoon? I'm like, sure. Yeah. So instead of grabbing him like a metal spoon out of the drawer, my chisla ass grabs him a plastic spoon from like the counter that, like, that was probably given to us from takeout the night before. Yeah. And the Ben and Jerry's looked like it had been sitting in that stop and shop freezer for 42 years. It was a brick. So the first scoop, Kurt, he takes this, he takes this plastic spoon, goes in, and the plastic spoon just completely disintegrates into thin air. And a piece of plastic literally the size of my pinky nail was lodged into his eyeball. And I could see it literally on the front of his eye. I have never seen anything so large and visible in, and visible in somebody's eye. And it was both the funniest thing I've ever witnessed, but also the heart. Like, I felt so bad at the same time. It is an all-time story. Did you get it out? And also, that's completely... Eventually. On, it's completely on you getting him a plastic yeah. spoon. I, I completely passed up on the metal spoon. You he knew how in, hard that ice cream he was. He went in hard with the plastic spoon, and it completely just shattered in his eye. I would give I it, felt horrible. I would give it like 70 you because you knew that that ice cream was rock solid. And then 30 on him for not being patient. And you got to know the durability of yeah. that spoon. Like when you first hit that service, you got to be like, this isn't going to work. I need to pull up right now. Yeah. Or you're going to have an eye injury. And that's what happened. <laughs> that is exactly what happened. All right. This one, is, I have to toss it out there. This one's okay. from, from EJ Santarpio, shoe guy. Mike McCarthy gets back into the league down in Dallas. <laughs> What's he do? He goes and loses his first game ever as a Dallas Cowboy head coach because yep. he elected to not kick a field goal to tie the game in, I believe it was like middle of the third quarter. And they end up not scoring another point and losing by three points. It was like a fourth and three. It was, yeah. you know what, probably a 30-yard field goal-ish. There was yep. no need in the world to go for this. Their offense wasn't clicking. Nothing in the world was telling you this was a good decision or like yeah. had any data to back up, hey, we should do this. We should go for it, yeah. But as I've known, I mean, he is the hate of my NFL coaches of all time. Him, I would say, up there now on the list, Mike Zimmer's got to be up there. He's He could be up there for fraud of the, fraud of the year. Yeah. Fraud, of, fraud of the like past decade for yeah, what he's done in Minnesota. But Mike McCarthy, I've been railing on him for probably yes. the past, I would say, seven At least, seven I was going to say at least five years. At least five years. And Jimmy Nicolosi would tell you, even during the off, like his off season last year, because he wasn't hired, I was still railing on him. Yeah. It and never ends. I heard Just because you don't have a job, it doesn't end. I heard people were looking to hire him back and. It was almost salvation as I tweeted out. Like, I was just proven correct based off he just doesn't have any idea what he's doing. Yeah. So, Mike McCarthy. No clue. You suck. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. You got another so, one? So, do you want to keep the theme going with the with the last football one and then I can hop over to, to Twitter? 
Oh, absolutely. We got one from Jay Bird, Jason Vizina, uh, and Rick. I'm going to do two here because we got yeah, a Yeah, give us the double whammy. Uh, having, Rick says, having the over in the game when the kicker misses four total kicks. That, Brutal. It's impossible to win when that happens. You just know it's not your day. We and all, for it to be Stevie G, no less. We all know the game he's talking about. It's the Titans and Steven Gostowski. Yeah. And that one's a pretty simple one. I don't think anybody disagrees with that, Rick. No. That was just awful to watch. Horrible game, too. Yeah. Now, we'll go over to Jaybirds, and his was when there's an obvious incomplete pass that has, you know, a forward motion from the quarterback on one of these swings, or even if it's just obviously incomplete on, like, a slant, and the defender then goes and picks it up and tries to run it all the way back to the opposite end zone. Yeah. Obviously, we all understand the premise because we've seen it happen before where they give up on the play and the guy actually fumbled. Exactly. But there's a line that they don't know, like, how to not cross, I feel like. Because there's ones that are just blatantly yeah. forward. And, like, yeah. nobody in the world would think they aren't. And to your point, I think – I don't even think the line exists to NFL head coaches. I think – I honestly think these guys are coached. If anything even looks questionable to you on the field, touch the ball and run it back. But if the whistle blows, it doesn't matter. Like, the whistle is blown on half of these. If, if the whistle is blown, then that's different. But I – to the player's defense, I think it's more on the coaches saying, we don't want – we're not going to give up anything, like, just to be safe. It's annoying as hell. It's the most it, – it literally wastes five minutes of time, and it, it it drives me nuts. I But like you said, I get it. It's a tough one. All right, I'll pass it back to you. Back to me, kind of steering clear of football. This one, everybody can relate to. This, the drawstrings coming out of your hoodie and your sweatshirt or your gym shorts or whatever it is, there's truly nothing worse because – when it's out, you know it's out. It, it, you're not getting it back in. It is going to take a nine-and-a-half-hour surgical procedure to get that thing back in. And I have two pairs of shorts that I've had for probably the past, at the very least, five years that the string's only coming out one side, and I don't even try to pull it back through. So I completely relate to this, and it is a just a helpless feeling. Yeah, I've had it happen to most recent was a bathing suit where the drawstring came out of it. I didn't even attempt to put it back in. There was just no way it was going to work. Uh, yeah. So I threw the bathing suit in the trash. <laughs> I was going to say that as a joke, but you actually did it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a bathing suit. Just gave suit. up. I, I needed, I have like four bathing suits now. Um, Trish just sent down another one to replace it. So I just said, well, I don't need that one anymore. There you go. Fair and square. Last one. And this is our first dual submission that hit from that last one. My brother, Kenzie. He, this one got a lot of love on Twitter, too. The MLB banning the use of alcohol in any post-game celebrations that specifically in the playoffs is what they're talking about. Yep. I can see why people are, are loving that tweet because... I understand why the reasoning behind why they would do this. It's because branding and they don't want, you know, family friendly, non family friendly products on television, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? We all know they're going out, they're celebrating if they win the World Series and getting hammered at the bar. That's not out of, like, that's not in question here. 
the fact is they don't want it to be seen on TV, but it also takes away the distinct look of those celebrations because you have the goggles on, the guys yeah. going nuts in the locker room. I think at this point, do you even celebrate in the locker room or do you just like take it off property quicker than you normally would? So I didn't look at it that way because I, I'm fairly certain in the past there's been a good amount of, you know, exposure to those types of celebrations where, you know, where there's, it's been very obvious what's going on, like with, you know, the drinking and stuff. Yeah. I thought it was more so just because of COVID and they don't want people like sharing beers and champagne and all that shit. Okay. But at the end of the day, like, if you're moving into a bubble for the playoffs, there should be no question or concern of anyone passing the disease if it's done right, like the NHL and NBA have done it. So, virus. Yes. Yeah. What did I, what did I say? You said what? disease. Virus, virus. And up to this point, I mean, we're in the conference finals for both the NHL and NBA, and there's been absolutely no word of them saying, oh, you can't celebrate with booze, you can't throw around beers and champagne. I, I, I don't know if they're just being timid based on what's occurred this year with the MLB and how, how it's you know sort of been a shit show at times. But if they do that, Kurt, I think you're right. It is an absolute just abomination. I, it ruins the entire look of the cel- and feel of the celebration. It's unfortunate. So hopefully it gets overturned or it was just kind of – hopefully there was just talks. I don't know if it was official or not, but it's ridiculous if it really happens. Yeah, it's not like they're not going to go back to whatever team hotel they got and do the same exact thing. I didn't think of the COVID uh, situation. That makes more sense than my explanation for sure. Uh, But also, even in the NFL, I'm seeing the same. Like the coaches are having to wear masks while they're doing the play calls and stuff. And now we see like they're talking to McVay because he was only holding up the play card. I just don't understand that side of it. Because oh, me neither. They're with the players all week, and I would, I would think they're not wearing the mask the whole time all week. I don't know. That's just maybe, not in practice. Maybe they are. Not, not in the locker room. Not in the sidelines. It, it's just it is it is such like a, it's for the pageantry, like we say. They're just trying to, like it is so pointless for that for McVeigh to have a mask for any coach, because like you said, every single. Besides the staff, every single player who is in contact with the entire staff and coaches all week, they're not wearing masks when they're playing and practicing. So it's just, it's just silly to me that they would have to wear masks. You don't see, I mean, I guess they're not in a bubble, but you don't see it happening. I don't think in the NHL and NBA where those, I don't think that those coaches are wearing masks, are they? No, no. Um, I mean, Brad Stevens is not. He, I Brad, they dad, no. And neither yeah. was Spolstra. So that's just the like weird disparity is obviously the mass work but it's like when you're using it selectively it just doesn't make much sense to me no doesn't add up i agree that'll wrap up for oh one more there is one got? more from from the pod group chat okay. i don't know if this one came from mr adam philpot or mr jimmy nicolosi but they're tired of people telling everybody that their babies are cute because not every baby is cute. Oh my god! Which is just hysterical that this came up in the group chat because you know me and the fact that we we have talked before about yeah selective babies we've seen that were like that looks like a forty-something year old actor that we knew one once. 
the Vern Troya. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, shout out to Levi Bruin Fasciano, cutest baby of all time, first off. So I'm going to give, I'm going to put respect on his name, number one. Number two, I think for the most part, you know, whether it's Facebook, whether it's social media, you see it every day. You know, the family and the friends are like, oh my God, you know, the baby is so adorable and it looks like freaking alien versus predator when the thing comes out of the lady's stomach. So it, it varies is what I'll, I'll leave it at that. Yeah. And I think the big thing to come out of that is the comments that they get on the, those social media posts or whatever are always positive. And I don't want to, you just want to see one negative is what you want. That's all you're asking for. Or not even you want to see somebody destroy that baby's confidence and blow up that baby's spot. No, not from at the, all. From not the a... from the from the third day they're born, you want their confidence to be ruined. No, ruined. not at all. Just to just to be like, you know, that's a run of the mill baby right there. <laughs> that's a classic, you know, do your job, average Joe blue collar baby. Yeah, you get the job done, right? It'll suffice. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what the the group text was hinting at. This is a tough one to get to. <laughs> well, we'll move right on to NFL. We'll go into our yeah. sports, sports, sports. A lot to talk about this week. What a week yeah. one. There were a, a ton of one. games that I thought were over, you know, based on looking at the scores. And man, oh, man, were they far from over. We saw a 27 to nothing <clears throat> run, 27 unanswered by the Washington Redskins to beat the Philadelphia Eagles and to be number one in that division now because every other team lost. There was another one, Chicago Bears. Hold on, hold on. Before you jump, I got to give a shout-out to – you said the R word, so we have to we have to be careful. Oh, the Washington, the Washington football, football team. team. Sorry. Second, second, thank you, Apollo. I like accepted. that team better. I like that the, team name way better. Second, I love the jerseys. Very, the simplicity of the jersey with the, with the number on the helmet is so swaggy. Third, shout out to Ron Rivera going through chemotherapy. The guy had to get a friggin' IV at halftime so he could stand for the six and a half hour game and watch his team complete that comeback. That's the story of week one, folks, right there. Him standing for six and a half hours going through chemo, having to get an IV at halftime to watch his team come back down 17 nothing, score 27 unanswered with what some team, what some people thought would be the worst team in the NFL, worst wa- roster. Hell of a week one story. Agreed. Also, do you think they're ever going to change the name they currently have, the Washington football team? Because I think they should keep it forever. I think it's so simple. I They have to change it. I mean, it is not good. It's not a good look. Like, from merchandise-wise and, like, branding-wise, just seeing their their name just being football team. I think it's hilarious, though. Like that, that's it's hilarious, but it's on? so bad. Like, I hear, I hear Red Wolves. I hear other things like that. I think they'll end up changing it. I think they're just kind of buying time this year, trying to figure out what they want to do. But I vote that they change it. I, I think they keep the jerseys, but the name is, is just, it's laughably bad in my opinion. It's okay. so bad, it's good. It's kind of like a dad joke. It's yeah. just truly so bad, it's good. If they go to a number two, I would want them to go to Red Tails based on the World Red War Tails. II significance of that one. Okay. And it, it would it would fit, you know, the situation of changing from Redskins, which is, you know, racially derogative. Is that the right word? Yeah. Derogatory. Derogatory. Yes. Yeah. 
and then champion the fact that some of the greatest American heroes that ever came out of World War II were black airmen. I like so that. I think that'll be cool. If they if they end up switching to another name, I think that's the one I would like to see. If and when. If and when. Yeah. And then we can't not mention the Pats. Can you we know. get – hold on. I didn't even finish my comebacks. Oh, oh, the, you're going – come. oh, I didn't know you were going through comebacks. The oh, Chicago Bears came back also against the Detroit Lions, the biggest losers in the world seemingly every single year. Because Format, did, you, did you see the running back drop the game-winning touchdown? DeAndre Swift, yeah, had it in his hands over the shoulder, dropped it in the end zone. Yeah. He had it in the end zone and dropped it. And Did you see the videos of the guy celebrating the fans? Yes. Thinking that he caught it. Hey. That broke my heart. I know because you, really you know what you think of. You think of the Barstool Lions fans that, yeah. that are watching Those that poor game. poor guys. And they, they see it every single year. And I just – it I couldn't do it. I could not support that it's, team knowing it's that it's cursed for eternity to lose. Yeah. All yeah, right. Man. Now we can get into some pats. Now we can get into a pats. I watched – truthfully, I watched a quarter and a half. Cam looked great. Granted, it was against the Dolphins. Um, really, that's really it. I mean, everybody's talking about, oh, the defense is going to be, you know, they lost all these guys. I get that it was against Fitzy, and I get that it was the Dolphins, but Dolphins always give us shit. First game of the year. Offense, defense look good. I think you got to get more of those receivers involved, Kurt, because I hope that the game plan isn't to run Cam into the ground every week because I don't think it's going to go so well for us for 17 weeks if that is the case so i think you got to get once damien's back you got to get him more involved um yep. but cam looked healthy he looked like cam of oh we saw flashes of old cam which was great to see and they got the win so the real measuring stick is going to be sunday night in seattle boy is that going to be a hell of a game um i think you're always going to get your best with bill belichick at the helm so i would i'm not going to count them out but it is going to be hell of a challenge in seattle it's a tall task early on in the year, I think. I am looking at it more from the pessimistic side than because social media, just the flooding of optimism coming from week one against the Dolphins. Yeah. In a, to me, a very non-impressive game. Like, I thought they, the first half, they played pretty well and kind of dominated. And I thought the second half was a little sloppy and it didn't yeah. i they didn't add on to the lead like i thought they would, would have hoped coming on from the first half gotcha. and, and like the first half one of their drives looked easy it looked if you can do that on you know 30 percent of your drives that you get you're going to be a successful football team the one thing that is my big takeaway is yeah. they liked going to that option which is fine like yep. you said, running Cam into the ground is a factor. I'm not really worried about that. I just like to think of people are ready for the season and they're not going to get injured. That's just my outlook on whether yep, it's a running fine. quarterback or not. You, that's how you got to or running back or anybody. That's yeah. how you got to try to win the game. But the option, just like in college, against good teams, especially later on in the year when they have all your reads down, and later on in the year, I'm talking like week five, week six becomes a problem like that gets taken yeah. away very very quickly and then we're back to like you said relying on receivers and do you trust that receiving core right now to take on that load later on in the year because i do not i do not especially I think it's the same as last year where they're still looking at Jules as a number one and he's just not a number one he's a very good number two he's a slot receiver 
But if they can double down on him and then single man everybody else, that they're going nowhere offensively. That's the problem, Kurt. Nobody else on the team. Jules is fantastic. We both love him to death. He's still going to have his moments of greatness. But at the end of the day, like you said, there's not enough talent on this football team to even generate any sort of movement anywhere outside of the James White and Julian Edelman bubble. They're going to get double and tripled every time. And you're relying on Nikhil Harry, who we fingers crossed takes a step. He, again, we don't really know yet what we're going to get with him. He, what is he, 230 pounds, 6'4", and he's getting run over through the sidelines by 160-pound cornerbacks that he should be be running through. And he fumbled at at the goal line. So he doesn't look like he's quite there yet. And to ask him and Jacoby Myers and Demir Bird to to carry that load and try to create offense and separation one-on-one if if, if the other guys are strapped down is a very tall task. So, like you said, same issue as last year, it just in a slightly different form. So, we'll see what we'll see what happens. I would like I want to see the game against Seattle because I think that's where we'll be able to tell, you know, what we really a, are. It's a challenge versus their defense in Seattle. I know there's no fans, but still having to travel there. And also people obviously jumping on the fact Tampa lost. The the Saints are still, what, top two or at the worst three teams in the league? I would, coming into the year, I thought that they would be the best team in the league. On defense, offense, special teams, they are incredibly well-rounded. And I'm trolling the hell out of people just as everybody else is. But at the end of the day, you look at, you know, Mike Evans was probably playing at 50%. That's the first game action that Brady has had with those guys. In in New Orleans, is the NFL basically gave the Bucks the shaft week one. So um, learning experience, nonetheless, is the way that I look at it for them. But they didn't look great. And uh, I don't want to twist the knife or troll anybody more than I have to. But Brady is the third quarterback now all time with Blaine Gabbard and Matt Schaub. Not too great a company to throw three, to throw a pick six in three consecutive games. So, you know, let's hope that gets us put to a stop. Is all. I'm so saying. you're carrying no, over. Guy. You're carrying no, over the, the playoffs from last year as well, which, and the regular season. Which yeah. not all teams even make the playoffs. That's just an absurd I, cherry pick stat. That's a fact. Me. That that is a fact though. That is a numerical fact. It's it's actually not. It's a fact based on only his play. Like yeah, it's your well, che- well, Kurt. What is? Tell me what's what is false about the statement that I made? Outside of that, it's just his play. Did I want to know his last did three games? Did, no, as if he didn't did he switch or did teams, he not? or the season didn't start over. It's like he it's he like he's been playing for in two the last weeks. three games. Throw a pick six. It's that's what I want to know. It is misinformation so, and so you're not going to answer the question. It's a yet. misconception at best by you. Okay, go run over to your boy in Tampa. Go catch. You don't even have to catch a flight. You're already down there. I'll ask. Uber. I'll ask you a question. And go kiss him right on the lips, <laughs> just like his little his little son there. I'll you ask can be, you. You can a be a question. stepson. Who do you think ends up with a better record for the rest of the year, Tampa or the Pats? The Pats. Is that based off a of schedule or is that based off of? 
talent and what you think they're going to do headed long-term? Like who could make it further in the playoffs too? Higher ceiling. Higher ceiling is Tampa. No doubt about it. Without a More doubt. More talented team. But I think it is a extremely tall task to ask a 43-year-old quarterback to step into that offense against in the same division as uh, New Orleans, Atlanta, Atlanta, and uh, Carolina, Teddy Bridgewater would be the best quarterback, arguably, that he has. If Teddy Bridgewater would be the best quarterback, arguably, in the AFC East besides Brady. So I'm just saying besides he's in a much he's in a much harder division now, and I think it's just a taller task for him based on that aspect, but also the aspect of just getting up to speed with that offense with really no time. If he somehow just gets things to click click within the next three or four weeks and they're just blowing the doors off teams with that offense, I will be incredibly impressed and would just further solidify Brady's greatness. I think the coaching staff on the Pat side is still there. I think it's going to come down to come down to Ken Cam, like you said, can Cam stay healthy and can the receivers step up? But I truthfully, I'm not all in on the Tampa like everybody else. I have a lot of questions. No, I, I would say that a lot of people are not all in on Tampa after this week. I I would argue that a lot of them gave up and are acting like the season's over after a loss week one to a very good team. Not me. I'm just saying I think I think they're absolutely a wild card team out of that. I think the Saints win the division. Yeah. But but I think they go further than the Pats can in the playoffs. I just don't see I don't see the Pats getting past a you know a wild card round even with how their offense is currently structured. No, I would agree with that with that receiving core and the in the lack of depth. I don't really Yeah, they're not going to be able to stack up even with the like the defense will have to play unbelievable is yeah. what it comes down to. All right, yeah. other other games, any uh notable ones? I know we got to talk about last night's uh Tennessee versus Denver, Denver, Denver's coach walking in, walking into the locker room with three timeouts. Yeah. Could have called the timeout conservatively at the forty-second mark and gave his team about thirty-five to get a field goal, which is doable when if you get a touchback like they kicked it through the end zone. He Gostowski squibbed it just a little too far. And say you take all your timeouts, you still have like thirty-five seconds. That's you know three to. Maybe four to five plays if you do it correctly. Yeah. And you have McManus in Denver in mile high. Kicks bombs, yeah. Really only have to get to, you know, the, what, 50-yard line to have a realistic shot at it. Have a chance, yeah. And he walks into the, he walks in to the locker room with three timeouts after yeah. not calling one. They had 17 seconds. Yeah, not great. Not a great look. I got to be honest, I didn't see I, – I fell asleep, but – I saw, I woke up and looked on Twitter and he was just getting absolutely demolished. It's a fireable offense in my opinion. That like this week to come out and be like he is fired. He doesn't understand obviously how to manage a game. Like if you're not prepared coming into that for that situation. Week 1 too. Week 1 that's pathetic first of all. And if you don't want to say you got a lot you're doing the offense or you're doing the defense and you're not playing like the strictly head coach role. Yeah. Get somebody to stand next to you when it comes down to the final two minutes and tell you when to take timeouts. That's got to be you. We've talked about this for years. You'll be the clock manager. That's it. That's yeah. all you do. 
it's insane to me how many people mess it up. And I saw it in multiple games. It wasn't only yeah. uh, Fangio. It was throughout the slew of them during the, the Sunday games. And week in, week out, it happens, and there's just no change. It's like, oh, whatever. We'll, we'll just lose the game because we don't know. We don't understand math. It's not even – it's math plus a scoreboard. You have to play. If you're down, you want to save more time. If yeah. you're up, you want to run more time. And the head coaches in the NFL do not understand it. No, I would agree. It's been happening for years. Happens every year, a handful of times during the regular season where you just have to shake your head and awe. Truly. You do. All right. Well, continuing with sports, sports, sports. The U.S. Open tennis took place on Sunday night. I do want to shout out Dominic Thiem, the number two seed in the tournament, ended up winning his first major ever in a five-setter. He was down two sets to love and ended up forcing a fifth set and won it in a tiebreak over, who was it, Alexander Zverev, or as they call him, Sasha Zverev, the German. Also would have been his first major. The notables here being Nadal and Federer did not play due to COVID travel considerations. Djokovic obviously got kicked out, as we talked about last week. Yeah. But honestly, a great scene to watch, and it, it timed out perfectly. They, I don't know if they planned this on ESPN, but they made it so if it went to a fifth set, it would be right in between the 4 o'clock games and then the Sunday night game. So you could watch the last fifth set for the last hour before you just flicked on Sunday night football, and it was glorious. That's how you do it. I think I'm not the biggest tennis guy, as you know, but I will react to the timing thing. Um, the NHL in particular kind of might have screwed that up a little bit. They had games literally at like one o'clock and four o'clock on, on Sunday trying to compete with NFL. And it's just simply not going to happen. It's going to fall right through the cracks every time. Yep. Because as everybody knows, Sunday is the NFL's day and nothing, you're not going to beat that. So I get it. It's the, you know, conference finals, whatever, but just tough timing with everything going on. Um, but on the flip side for fans, I mean, this is heaven. It's truly heaven. Like with everything going on, there's almost too much going on. And I, I'm just in heaven after what we've went through over the past four or five months. So bring it on, all of it. Need all the sports I can get. Yeah, those two guys gonna definitely be the futures of tennis, along with Dennis Shapo. Oh, I don't know how to say this one. I'm just gonna call him Dennis Shapo. Okay. I think it's Shapovalov, is the full name. He's Canadian. He made his first semifinal. He's only like 21 or 22 years old. So he's going to be, you know, the next up-and-coming generation as those big three, Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, seemingly retire in the next, you know, I don't know, five years. Yeah. Federer will be the first to go probably. Ho- hopefully, we'll say, uh, being a Nadal fan that I am. <laughs> Speaking of U.S. Opens, though, we transition right into the golf coming okay. up this week. You have to tune in, and I want you to tune in what at time? some point. Okay. At some point Thursday in the afternoon, okay. Yeah, before football comes on, just take a look, see what right. the course is playing like, see what the scores are like. They're talking, somebody threw this out there, I think it was one of the greenskeepers, plus eight for the final score, like the, the winner being plus eight, which would Seriously? just be outrageous. It would be the highest U.S. Open score, I think, since like the 1940s or something like that. So Holy shit, if man. we get carnage like that, 
Carnage, I like that. Carnage. You're gonna see a lot of people complaining from the from the tour players. Justin Thomas already floated a little tweet out there that's pretty soft, if you're asking me, especially coming from an American where it's your national open and it's supposed to be hard. He he, it was something. Let me pull it up real quick. Okay. So here it is. He was quoted in one of the pressers saying, "The viewers at home are going to see some pretty bizarre stuff." and probably a lot of putts and chips that make us look pretty bad. If you're into that stuff, then you're going to like this week. It re I don't know how it was said in the press conference, but it yeah. reads as if he's trying to say it's going to be, you know, ridiculous and that they're going to look bad on TV. That's not the point of the US Open, Justin Thomas, as a avid golf fan and a lover of the hard U.S. Opens going back to our last good one we had was probably Marion in 2013 that was over par. It's just soft in my mind to be like, oh, we're going to look bad, so you know this yeah. obviously isn't a fair test. No, that's not how the U.S. Open works. They want to keep the score around par. I would love to see get to plus eight. I think the golf world, the golf tour players will try to burn down the USGA if that happens, saying it's so unfair, blah, blah, blah. And the complaints always come in, you know, oh, I hit the perfect shot and it ended up off the green in the bunker or in the rough with some horrible lie. It's like, obviously, flat out, you didn't hit the perfect shot then. Because sometimes yeah. the perfect shot isn't landing at middle of the green with limited spin and it could get a bad bounce on a dry part of the green. Sometimes you got to run it up. Sometimes you got to hit a punch shot that lands 10 yards short, runs up the slope, and the slope kills it. I, I just think it's so picky by the tour pros saying they hit the perfect shot and there's no way to pull this off. There's a million different ways to play the golf course. If you had a bad angle, that's probably the most realistic option as to why you couldn't play that hole in the best way possible. Also, there's 144 other players out there who are playing the same course and are beating you. So don't come to me complaining. Make the USGA the hardest test in golf again. Love it. Love that. I'm on board. I'll tune in. I'm on board. Let's go. Let's roll. You sold me. Okay. Wonderful. I, I, we want to see pars. Pars are good. Pars okay. and bogeys are even bogeys are good. We don't want to see a shootout with birdies. Don't hear that a lot. A couple of okay. birdies here and there, but it's going to be a hack fest. We, we want to see that from a USGA. Fair enough. Do you have anything else to say about the US Open? Let's go into a. Just give me a couple of couple of picks. Maybe what you've been seeing. Give me been, your two best picks to win the U.S. Open, and I'll give you sleepers. Um, uh, who's hot in the golf world? Dustin Johnson. Boom, that's an easy one. That should be a Dustin one. Johnson's a layup. He's my number one. My number two. Oh my God, this is my number two. The big boy there. Um, Bryson. Bryson, did you see on Twitter what he said about just his bombing. driver? Yeah, he's gonna try to get. 48 inches it's going to be the like, longest he basically said the longest driver that is allowed he's going to get and just try to hit absolute rockets yeah i, that's believe, why I'm... I believe that's transitioning for next year but oh, he did he did say he's going to hit driver all over the course and just try to hack it out of the rough if that's the case <laughs> that's me at candlewood just try to hit bombs and deal with the consequences yeah that's all so you gotta do it should that's be it. it should be fun to watch a couple of the lines he's gonna take but sleeper sleepers. And this guy isn't a sleeper. I believe he's still top 10 in the world, maybe top 20 at the worst. 
Adam Scott, I believe he's plus 5,500 to win. Uh, having a great return to golf, has only played about three or four events, I think, and had a couple of top tens and some really difficult, like, challenging courses that they've been to. So I like him. And then I like Matt Fitzpatrick as well. Played well at East Lake last week. That's a difficult course. You have to find the fairways, uh, especially last week with the thick Bermuda rough and not being able to control the ball out of there. You, if you saw the highlight of Rory topping one in the water from about 10 yards in front of him, that's how thick the rough was. But Matt Fitzpatrick, 2013 United States amateur winner at Brookline Country Club, which me and Kenzie ended up seeing our last shot of the day was a hole-in-one that we saw. And it may have Jesus. been from Joachim Niemen, who is now on tour, has is in the U.S. Open as well. I, I would have to check who exactly got that on. I believe it was the 15th hole at Brookline Country Club, or as they call it, the Country Club. <laughs> the Country Club. Love and that. I have to talk about Phil Mickelson. He's at plus $10,000 odds. Do I love him going into this tournament? No. But the key here is I think the rough's going to be so difficult and challenging, especially with the factor of no fans, because usually the fans can trample down some rough occasionally and make you get a good lie where you're way offline. But I think the biggest aspect to this U.S. Open is going to be your short game, so pitching and then putting. And I he's still one of the best in the world at that so i'm gonna take him for that reason i'm not gonna take him for the reason of hitting fairways but i, I he likes this course he came in second in 2006 because he doubled the last hole to lose by one i think it's redemption story i i want to believe he completes the career grand slam and it would complete the best day of my life if he does it so i'm i'm taking him the best day of your life go phil in, in terms of golf, yeah, absolutely. Best day of my life. Alrighty. With that, we'll move on to Stock Talk now with Matty Smith. All right, folks, here on Stock Talk, we got Matt Smith in the building tonight, Gloucester High School alum, current BC Boston College Eagle. Yes, He's getting indeed. into this. One of our uh, stock friends now, Drew, saw him at a a party last week and they started chatting about Robin Hood and yeah, that's about it. Drew, what it, what do you got from that one? Yeah. So I don't want to get people on the, you know, get people's britches all high and tight here. It was not a party. It was a, a, you know, Soiree. eight to 10 person fantasy draft. We kept oh, okay. socially distant. So everybody, everybody take a couple steps back first off, but do you all have the I, Andy Reed face mask on every single one of us, every single one of us. We had to get the pizza slices up through. There was about a blonde CH of rum in between to get the the pizza slices in there. But anyways, yeah, so, you know, we've I've been going at it for a couple months now. And as you know, last week was kind of – I lost hope a little bit. I started just kind of losing interest, pulling all my money out. And then me and Matt started chatting it up, you know, in person a little bit about it and started talking a little bit and, uh, you know, kind of got back into it. So we decided, you know what? We'll have them on and we'll talk some stocks and we're, we're happy to have you here. So I think to start out, I, I want to hear, I mean, I think everybody wants to hear a little bit about your portfolio. Like give, give us some of your, 
your highs and your lows and what you've gone through thus far. How long have you been in the game to begin with, too? I guess let's start there. Uh, I've been in the game since March. Put a $4 or $400 deposit in. Had some nice growth since. I'm up to 1200 now. I've I, On about like March 23rd, when the market hit the low, I bought into Penn uh, National Gaming. And since then, it's been skyrocketing. I'm a big Penn guy. Acquired Barstool, 40% of Barstool. They just announced the Barstool Sportsbook up from $9 all the way to $67.80 right now. They are on fire. Big pen guy. The money's raining so hard on me right now, I just didn't want to get a concussion. I had to wear the construction hat. Kenzie's going to <laughs> hate to hear that one. He saw pen at, like everybody saw pen. You look at the, the chart on Robinhood and you say, how the hell was that stock down to $4? And now they're launching their app Friday in Pennsylvania, and I can't imagine they're not going to get a small bump from that, uh, just like the rest of the, the stocks have rebounded, kind of. So you could be looking at, you know, 70-plus share prices within the next couple of days. Oh, absolutely. Now, you got anything else in the portfolio, or are we strictly on one? Because we'll have to talk about diversifying, if that's the case. I got a couple shares of DraftKings who skyrocketed yesterday after uh, partnering partnering with ESPN. Yep. I'm in uh, Snapchat, a couple cruise liners, Delta Airlines. Okay. Uh, I have a uh, blank check company called Shell, and they're merging with Hylion, which is uh, like electric cars and 18-wheeler type stuff. All they're right. They're making moves into the market. You, you scared me a little when you said you had DraftKings, too. I was like, well, that's kind of the same category. So if that goes down, they both go down probably. But, yeah, you know, the EV's been doing well. And then Snapchat will, I mean, it's still a major popular app. I'm sure that will be doing fine over the next couple of months. Drew, with that, we know Matt's doing good. Since the big tech drop last week, it has rebounded. Yeah. Are you back into positive dollars? You had to have been down a little. So I was ultimately the, the lowest of lows where I was at was I was down six dollars, you know, give or give or take a couple couple cents. OK. Um, I can't to give wait you an to idea. match this up. I cannot wait to match this. So up. so let's let's think about this. Six dollars under was the lowest. And then when you talk about the highs of the highs, we're up twenty nine dollars and three cents. Um, wow, you know, I'm, come, sh I'm shocked you haven't pulled out yet. So, so <laughs> see, that's the thing. I, my, like, I was talking to you, Kurt and Matt, just for your reference. I, my one thing is, I, which I think everybody goes through this, but I don't know when enough is enough. I don't know when to stay in, I don't know when to come out. But Kurt made a good point. Like, if you have, you know, $300, you know, is a decent amount of money, but not enough to really, you know, see an impact like Kurt's gonna go into. But he made a good point where he said, you know what, with that type of money, just stay in steady hands, as he says, stay patient and hope for something to just explode. Like you said, Matt, with Penn and see if I can get, you know, get some of that medicine over my way and hopefully become rich. So that's the story right now. We, we started with a hundred, we pulled everything out. We added 200, we threw everything back in and, uh, you know, things have been pretty positive since, you know, we, uh, there's no denying the fact that the more money you put in, the more invested and interested and addicting it gets. So it's, uh, I can see that, you know, it, it could 
potentially become a slippery slope as we had alluded to in previous episodes. Yes. But let's hear from Kurt. I know compared to me and Matt, we're like little, you know, small fish in a pond. So I want to hear from you because that's I the people want to know what 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 are the big dogs going through? Well, let's just talk about this. Uh, me and my buddy Stone were talking about it today. And the crazy thing about how people look at the stock market, which is borderline gambling from like what we can tell so far. People look like down on it's, you know, you're a degenerate if you're doing the gambling and all this stuff, but then you're an adult if you're doing the stock market. So it's two kind of interesting games that aren't very far off from each other, but there's two totally different perceptions. And I get it because stocks, you can do research and there's very little chance you're going to legitimately lose your entire investment versus a bet where you're either winning or losing. But I digress get back to the portfolio drew last week was dark it was dark <laughs> i was down comparatively to your six dollars i was down 2500 <laughs> at one point <laughs> and we are now finally back up to about 500 dollars in the green which is huge wow Love uh, that. i bought back I bought more Tesla when it really tanked. Uh, once they announced the S&P 500 index, it didn't make it. Uh, so the price went, ended up getting to like, I think 330 a share after it just hit 505 the week prior uh, after the stock split. And I got a little more Apple. And I think that's about it. I, I held everything else. I was just waiting, hoping for the rebound. Uh, I'm a long-term investor. Um, I look to keep... 10,000 in my bank account right now to not touch. And then the rest I'm trying to divert to retirement funds that are much less risk. And then a couple hundred here or there added on to the portfolio. But what a rebound. I mean, there's nothing. I looked at the past four days, Drew. It's up. Oh, my God. What, three, almost 3,000 or something like that in the past four days for the stocks. So Moderna's made a comeback. That's huge. Wow. They're up to 67. They were in the high 50s last week. And I'm still in total down, what, 1,700 about with them, which is speaks to the performance of the rest of the stocks that I have. So that's why you keep a diversified portfolio. Also, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish with that. No, I was going to pass it on to Matt. What was your question? So I have to call somebody out. I don't, somebody in our group, Kurt, I don't know oh, who it was. Anthony and I'm Schindler. not being. I'm not being like, you know, facetious. I really don't know who it was. Recommended NOG, Northern Oil and Gas. Okay. And really, really, really cheapy, cheapy. I have 20 shares. So that's my big boy right now. Okay. At 55 cents each. Nice. So that's my, that's my, I would consider that. So you know when you're applying. You're in $10. You know, when you're applying to schools and you're like, okay, this is my uh, reach. This is my, like, you know, this is where I want to go. Yeah. And then these are like some, some gimmies. This is my reach. Like we're just, we're reaching as far as we can and hoping for some crazy thing to happen. Okay. Um, I don't know where I saw the recommendation, but I just had to shout that out because that's the odd one out. You know, I'm in one, two, three shares here and there, but this is the big boy that I'm just, you know, we're sitting on, we're sitting on something big here, guys. I don't want to rain on your parade, but I'm not high on the airlines or oil right now, obviously, due to COVID effects, and I just think it's going to take a longer time for those to recover, especially in the oil industry. If I'm going to look for one to recover, I'm going to look for one that has a ton of cash flow 
that can survive like the next six months. And just based off your stock price, Drew, I don't <laughs> know good. if it's there. It it doesn't look like it is, but based on the investment that I've made, that was it's a decision that had to be made. So we'll call. see what happens. Now, Matt, talk us through a little bit more of Penn. I want to hear about, say it gets to $100 a share. Is there ever a point where you're not going to hold it or are you just going to let it ride for you know the next couple of years? Honestly, right now, I feel like just holding it. They've been doing so well lately. They're on the up and coming. I love their partnership with Barstool. Major Barstool guy over here. And I know that Drew is, and I know that you are too. I uh, would say portions of Barstool I'm a major fan of. Well, I know Drew big stool. Yeah. Yeah, the golf, the golf portion of Barstool I disagree with a lot. I'm not a big Riggs fan, but I, I love the Sunday gambling shows that Big Cat uh prez and my boy Stu finer put on oh my days. god he is the best is that the one where they had that goldfish on for a while larry or something yeah, probably <laughs> is that something else yeah larry yeah. the fourth or whatever yeah i don't know what it was but, but podcasts are on the up and coming and social media so they're diversifying into that obviously and the casino part of it is obviously on the up and coming too with the barstool sports but coming more like DraftKings and FanDuel. So right as of right now, I'm just riding it out, but I can't get too greedy. So maybe around a hundred dollars, I would probably sell. Okay, that's maybe it's right there. Yeah, and it's I think the gambling industry, as we move towards federally mandating at some point, whether it's five to ten years down the road, that sports gambling, online betting can happen throughout the United States in every state, because they're only in about nine states right now, I think conservatively. So. I know when the news came out for DraftKings that I think Illinois was like passing a few laws for them to get into that. Their stock price went up four or five dollars. So I think it's a long game play for for both DraftKings and Penn. I think it's within the next five to ten years. I know some were estimating eight hundred percent growth in the industry. Will we see that? Maybe not. There'll be dips. There'll be dives. So it it all depends on when you want to get out but i was interested to hear uh when you would would possibly pull i just don't want to get cold feet and just jump out too fast yep yep well at least it got in some would say oh yeah speaking of which tesla made a big rebound drew and shima has been in our group text he obviously we we kid him about his intrinsic value that he likes to claim that tesla does not have yeah, because I keep seeing those flying around. He was he's been waiting probably six months for that stock to take a dive like it did on the uh, big week that tech got hit, and he claims it was intrinsic value. But meanwhile, the pushback has just proven to him that he has no clue what he's talking about when it comes to it. Oh my god! And I would like to report he did text me, "Hey, do you think it would be a good idea to buy in at four fifty? I'm like, you were just talking crap about it when it yeah. was like down to 3:30 last week, and you now you're thinking about. And then he's just texting you individually. He's like, eh. Taking a couple steps share more, like that's Jesus insanity. Christ. That's chaos. Yeah. So we'll wrap this one up. Let's get into your sleeper stock for the next year per se. I, I think short term doing like weekly ones is real tough, but next one to three years ish. Something that you think can have a lot of growth. What do you guys got? We'll start with the guest, Matt Smith. So in my portfolio, I have an ETF. It's called Gush. 
and right now it's at about 2400 it's about it's a uh, an oil and gas bull etf okay but looking back 3 months or to, uh, to the beginning of the year yep. like january 7th it was at $1600 so with the covid crash and then the saudi arrangement with uh russia and stuff that dropped down heavily but as airlines reopen and oil becomes a fuel source or a main fuel source, I feel like that could skyrocket again. Okay, so what's that right now? You said it got to how high back in like say January of this year? It was at sixteen hundred. And right now it's at twenty four. Oh, twenty four dollars. Okay, I thought you meant twenty four hundred at the start. And I Me was too. Like, that. Oh no, no. <laughs> okay. 24. That's what I thought too at first. It's down heavy right now. Gotcha. All but right. I feel like it's a boomer in the future. I like that one. I think the airlines are, are similar. They don't have that type of capacity to make that percentage of a gain, but the airlines are looking at like double if they can get back up on their feet at the beginning of next year into the summer. Drew, sleeper, what do you got? I, I wouldn't call it a sleeper. This is just one that I recently acquired when I jumped back in. And I think given that everything that's going on in the past, you know, when I look three months back to now, it seems like it's steadily been climbing and it's not a sleeper company, but I think you're going to see a, a pretty steady increase in the coming months as fingers crossed things start loosening up and that's Uber. Um, okay. I think I like with every with everything going on, I think um, I, I, I'll, I'll help you out here. They're in a lot of different industries now. It's not just driving people around. It's you got food. Is there anything else I'm missing? What I what I'm trying to say is that I think over the past, you know, four to six months, as you alluded to, Kurt, not only are they extending their arms into different industries, but with, you know, the delivery aspect growing with everything going on and also the actual driver side of the business completely completely just being demolished by COVID. I think you're going to see, you know, hopefully that this was sort of a silver lining for the delivery side to really get a push there. And then with, you know, people starting to become more comfortable, you know, driving strangers around or getting back into, into cars and being driven places, I think you're going to see a bit, a bit of a push there. And as you mentioned too, with all of the other things they have going on, I know they're messing around with, with scooters and, and constantly trying to acquire new restaurants and everything in between. So, um, hoping for a push there. I like that one. That makes sense. I'm going to go a little out of, out of left field here. It's going to be four letters for you. UVXY. It's a volatility stock. And the presidential elections historically have been a highly volatile time or compared to when the stock market is either just hanging steady or steadily increasing, which it is now. But with presidential elections, obviously divisive right now, there's talks about there may be a few days delay on to when they get the answer for votes based on the fact that a lot of people will be mailing in due to the pandemic. Also, if a candidate weren't to accept the election result, that would also end up in a delayed election. Well, what happens with UVXY is when there's either higher trading or just high times of volatility, their stock actually goes up. So currently, it's at 1997 today. To give you a little histo history on it, 
it was up to $110 in about a week's period back when the we almost went to war with Iran. Uh, what was that, back in January? So when there are troubled times in the world, that's one to take a look at. And I think based on how low it is right now, I think leading up to November 3rd, there's going to be a spike at some point. You do have to get in and out quick in this one, so you have to be paying attention. But that's my sleeper. I like, oh, am I on mute? Nope. With that, we'll wrap up Stock Talk for the day. We'd like to thank Matt for coming on and uh, wishing him good luck with Penn for the rest of the week. Friday will be a big day for you, hopefully. Thank you. Good luck, Matty. Thanks for coming on. Good luck to you boys, too. Appreciate it. Go Celtics. Go Seas. All right, folks, back at it here. We're loading this one up. It's Drew's dad joke. It is indeed, folks. We're back again. Brought to you by Gloss Ticket, as always and forever. Got a juicy one for you this week. Here it goes. There was a cheese factory explosion in France. Okay. You hear that? I did, yeah. It w- debris is everywhere. Because uh, of br- the brie. The brie. Brie cheese, debris. Yeah. Another, one, another play on words. Okay. That's a tough one. I mean, I that's that's a one in a billion chance of me getting that one. There's some other ones yeah. that I can see me getting. I might have gave you the shaft a little bit. That one, that one was a little bit out of bounds. That's challenging. But I liked it, but it's, I liked it when I saw it. It, it kind of pulled me in a little bit. It's a good play on words, and I don't even know what brie really is, but I've heard the nope, the word in terms of you know like a French baguette or a, or brie. Mm, so yeah, I've heard it before. I don't know realm. what they are. Yeah. Well, woman of the week time. I'll start us off. Okay. I got a pick. I've been doing my, as I've mentioned in previous pods, uh, with our British friends from the Burbank band. That I, I like to stay up late and watch some YouTube clips and get into the loops of whether it's you know live concerts or the Britain's Got Talent, America's Got Talent, all those. Well, I stumbled upon some Australia's Got Talent ones and my woman of the week coming off of that show will be delta and it's a one namer it's like madonna okay you may not know her because it's you know australia's got talent and she's an australian singer but she's great on the show i think she's the most winning coach on that show which is also pretty cool she she develops the best singers in the most contestant winners, but she's also incredibly good looking. Beautiful, look some, beautiful, some would say. Some would say. Who do you got? This person will go unnamed because I don't know their name. Okay. But I know this story. For all of you Tiger King fans back in like March and April, you uh, know Carol Baskin. Yes. You know that she has resurfaced, unfortunately, on Dancing with These Stars. DWTS. DWTS. I, my moment of the week is her late husband's daughter, is what I'll go with. Before Carol. Okay. Um, stepdaughter. Stepdaughter. Basically, what happened 
was during her Dancing with the Stars performance, the stepdaughter and family of Don Lewis, Carol Baskin's late husband, who allegedly was fed to tigers, aired a commercial basically promoting, you know, asking for information, not promoting his disappearance, but trying to raise awareness um, of his disappearance and of the case and basically leveraging the fact that, you know, almost a troll, but almost, you know, try to kind of leverage the publicity of it with her kind of resurfacing. Leveraging a national audience to prod into an investigation is what you're you're saying. Which is great. I love it. Um, I, I honestly don't know a ton about the case. Everything that I have witnessed and, you know, divulged into and digested tells me that she is guilty of the murder. But I'm no detective. I'm just speaking on what I know. And that is why this woman is my woman of the week for basically not only bringing light to her father's disappearance and alleged murder, but also the biggest troll of 2020 on this woman who is just an absolute just sociopath in my opinion so yeah and i'll I leave you with that i don't want to get you know anything confused here drew just basically said he thinks based on no factual evidence that she murdered her husband at the time yeah and we do believe in this podcast on innocent until proven guilty in the 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 fair trial of a some suspect. of us do. Some of us do. Yeah. I would say, as a brand, the the entire podcast does. Yeah, some of us do believe in that, depending on what you think. But we'll go. On. <laughs> All right. Anywho. 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 We'll wrap it up this week with. Wrap it and tie it right up here. Finish Kurt, us. Bring us on home. Kurt's quote: "We won't do a fraud until next week." Boy, oh boy, were there a lot, though. I mean, we could have done Skip yeah. ba- skip Bagless, as they call him. Skip, hey, I got him written down as my fraud. So wait till next week. We're, we'll do a big submission next they'll, week and we'll make that. Yeah. They'll be, they'll be It'll plenty, be raining frauds. There'll be week. new people next week to go and, and do a fraud of the week. I believe I had one written down. Oh, man, who was it? Oh, we had a story. The story we'll save for next week. The story okay. is fantastic of somebody who we knew had an interaction with another person that went quite poorly and that was from last week there was there was like the bat signal was shining up spelling fraud out in the sky yeah from everything that yeah we'll 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 get into that next week but for all if we don't get into skip bagless he is a fraud the national audience knows that Yep. I don't think we have to get into him. Perfect. I don't think so either. We can leave it at that. If you don't know, do you just Google his name? It'll it'll pop up. I'm gonna tell you one this week that came from yours truly. And this was one I had at work the other day. Uh, I got asked, "What's your personal opinion on a political issue, a world issue, as part of the job?" I didn't really want to answer it based off the fact that I didn't know really what I was talking about. I was kind of jarred and shocked from the words that came out of my mouth. So I, I wrote it down. Came out of your mouth? Yes. 
I, I would describe it, Drew, as the best line of my life in response. Wait, to you're shocked? Okay, I'll just let you go then. I was shocked at, like, it came out exactly as I would have wanted to say it. Which is usually a good thing. Yes, but, but I, it, just, it was shock. It was jarring. Okay, I, okay. I said when they asked me, you know, what's your personal opinion on this maybe contentious or very very detailed topic, very yep. complex. Yep. I said, I'm not informed enough to have one. And although it's very simple, I think that was one of the best lines I've ever stated in my life. And I, I think, I think that can and should be used, practiced, recited in all walks of life, especially right now. God, imagine if we had that on social media, on Facebook. God almighty. God bless us all. We'd be living in, hey, we'd be living in those societies where they say like, this is what would have happened if, uh, if, you know, something blank didn't happen. And it's like just this beautiful metropolis with flying cars. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, it reminds me of what's that movie where everything's perfect. Uh, The, is it click? What is it? No, I'm thinking of like not. Am I thinking of the Truman Show? Just when it's like, la di da da, like white picket fence, everybody's happy, and it's like he know it's almost too perfect. Like he knows every like something's up. Yeah, it's like that. Like just you know everything is just great. Everything's colorful and bright and warm and shiny. That's what would happen. There's if no we didn't dark have... haze over the western part of the United States. There's no. Yeah. Yeah, we won't. We'll just. I'll if, stop if there that. wasn't politics on Facebook, the the society would be. We'd have flying cars. We'd have teleportation. It'd be. We'd it'd have it be all. Just utter perfection. Well, you ain't wrong. As we wouldn't always, have the people. We wouldn't have the. Hold on, I have to mention this. Okay. If you haven't seen the video, the anti-mask, the anti-mask rally. I am. I need to call on this episode. I am not waiting another week. I need to call out every single one of the folks at that rally as my fraud of the week, fraud of the month, fraud of the year, fraud of 2020, fraud of all of 2021 and 22. Every single person that they interviewed, it was like at first I was shocked, and then every single person I was like, "There's no way it can get worse," and it did. I am completely dumbfounded by the entire thing. I thought it was an SNL skit. I thought I was getting trolled for yes. a minute. So SNL skit is one they call out to say. There's another, uh, the tr- the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. They have a correspondent who goes out to political rallies and does this type of like questioning and trying yeah. to prod people for information that they yeah. do not know. Yeah. And the responses you get and the deep like the video that was one of the greatest videos i've i was dying hysterically laughing i was at the crying old laughing. lady the at, old lady who's like something about molesters and how no, they wear masks. she goes they like them no she goes i think she asked him like what do you think about masks she goes yeah and you know you know what uh <laughs> molesters like to wear it was like oh my god what i just know part of the, part up. of the quote she says is yeah, and you know what? Child molesters love them. <laughs> I'll tell you another reason I'd hate masks. Most child molesters love them. School <laughs> 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 oh, 
<laughs> the most Love that em. is the most incredible line to come out of 2020 that's pure lunacy imagine her in her mind dialing that one-liner up no she went to bed her her head hit the pillow the night before the rally and she was like this is what i'm going to war with this is my this is my bread and butter this is my ammo this is the hill that was the line (laughs) that was the hill that she was gonna die on quite literally she may not have made it back from the rally she looked like she was 94 years old (laughs) She's so damn passionate. Oh. They love them. They love them. The, oh, the the rise and fall of that voice and the emotion <laughs> that was said with just that's a Hall of Fame quote for 2020. That one that may not be dethroned. It's that ridiculous. That's a meme. I mean, that's it's like one of the vi- one of the video memes where you can just caption anything and put that video <laughs> under it. It doesn't have to be about mass. It doesn't have to be about no. anything in particular. No, that's about anything. Oh my oh. god, I, I couldn't let this episode go by without calling them out because <clears throat> they're all frauds, every single one of them. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was quite the long episode. Thanks to all who stuck with us through that. A lot of stuff to go over this week. Uh, maybe next week will be a slow news week. I doubt it, but we'll see. <laughs> As always, Pat Goss, Pat from last year, the winner of the last three remix contests he's entered, playing us out. What's for lunch? T-double-B-L-C. Stay in your seat. What's for lunch today? Sazits. Brown bag, brown bag. The Brown Bag Lunch Group.